Supreme Court today heard arguments in an abortion case that has potential implications for Roe v. Wade. Opponents of abortion rights who gathered outside the Supreme Court appear to have something to cheer about after a heated courtroom argument. Major news from the Supreme Court on Roe versus Wade, the challenge to a Mississippi law on abortion, and why what we heard from justices today is now putting Roe v. Wade in doubt. This is a first experience for me to be at the, at the steps of the Supreme Court of the United States, and I wasn't sure what to expect. I, I was encouraged by the incredible differential, the difference between the size of the crowd for life, the pro-life crowd, versus the crowd on the other side. The other, the other side was very loud. Um, the tone was angry. The tone was mean. It was bitter. The tone from almost every presenter I heard today, including Attorney General Lynn Fitch from the state of Mississippi, was warm and caring. And the focus from almost every presenter, almost all women, was that women deserve more than abortion. So I, I was amazed by the number of Congress, uh, senators, House of Representatives who came and shared, some of whom took the time to stop us and to pray. What an encouragement to CMDA uh, and for all of us, the nearly 80 of us who showed up in white coats today. First of all, I just want to say that the number of pro-life people here compared to the pro-abortion side is about five to one. I don't know that we'll see that on the on the regular media, but just for somebody who has been here, seen it, we've looked around about five to one, lots and lots of pro-life, lots and lots of students, a lot of young people that are very passionate about life. And so listening to all these speakers, listening to all of the, the arguments, I mean, I'm really encouraged. It's been 30 years almost since uh, 1992 when Casey versus Planned Parenthood was argued. Uh, the, the Solicitor General of the state of Mississippi made some great arguments. Let's turn the decision back to the people of every state and let the Supreme Court overturn Roe v. Wade. And that's what our hope is. And I'm, I've got a lot of hope that that's what's going to happen. We didn't hear all the oral arguments, uh, but I, I did appreciate uh, Clarence Thomas kicking it off. So encouraged by the number of people that that walked past our white coats. Uh, I would guess a hundred people as they walked past me and Dr. Jeff Barrows and the others in our doctor crowd, thank you for coming today. Thank you for coming today. Hi, this is Dr. Mike Chupp, and you are listening to CMDA Matters, the weekly podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. We shot that video that we just featured on December 1st, 2021, which is the day that the U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments in the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health case from Mississippi. You know, Dr. Jeff Barrows and I joined a group of about 80 healthcare professionals from all over the U.S., to stand together in support of life. And what an amazing and historic day for life it was. Of course, we know now that the Supreme Court went on to overturn Roe v. Wade in June of 2022 as a result of that court case. And it ended the constitutional right to abortion and returned the decision back to the individual states. Well, since that landmark decision, we've seen the battlegrounds increasing all across the 50 states as each state seeks to protect life 
or as other states seek to protect access to abortion. We know that abortion is not health care, and as Christians in health care, our duty is to protect and preserve the lives of all of our patients. Those patients, they place their trust in us to recommend what is best for them, regardless of current political or cultural trends. And that's why CMDA has been actively involved in advocacy efforts around the country to protect life. One of our greatest allies in this effort is Alliance Defending Freedom, otherwise known as ADF. I distinctly remember former ADF CEO, Mr. Michael Ferris, stating on that incredible day in December of 2021 that, quote, this battle has only just begun. Now the hard part begins, affirming life at every stage, both pre-birth and after birth. Well, we are incredibly thankful at CMDA for ADF and their partnership and for their commitment to litigate for life across all spectrums. On this week's special video episode of CMDA Matters, Dr. Jeff Barrows and I are joined by Kristen Wagner, who's the new CEO and president of ADF. She's here today to share more about the critical work that ADF is doing litigating for life on issues like abortion or assisted suicide, transgender identity, and more. And she's going to take a deeper dive into ADF's commitment to abide in Christ, despite the strong opposition that they face in the courts at the state and federal levels. I want to invite you today to listen in to our recent conversation with Kristen whose own personal commitment to Christ is at the heart of her leadership at such a time as this. Well, today on CMDA Matters, it is definitely a privilege for me to welcome to the program Kristen Wagner. She's the CEO, President, and General Counsel of Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, she leads this uh, incredible faith-based uh, legal organization in protecting fundamental freedoms and promoting the inherent dignity of all people throughout the U.S. and around the world. And she oversees the efforts of more than 400 ADF team members since 2011. ADF has won 15 cases at the United States Supreme Court, including very prominently helping the Mississippi legal team in the case that overturned Roe v. Wade. And of those 15 cases, before she became CEO and president, Kristen argued successfully three cases, including the case that our listeners are probably very familiar with, the Masterpiece Cake Shop and uh, Jack Phillips versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission. So, this morning. Welcome to CMDA Matters, Kristen Wagner. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be here. I just want to ask uh, for our listeners' benefit, would you please just tell us a little bit about yourself and how that ADF's mission and vision became the core of your professional life and your passion? Sure. Well, I've wanted to be a lawyer most of my life. I felt called into law to 
defend religious freedom and free speech and protect Christian ministries and churches. And so that was from the time I was a pretty young girl. I assumed that I would always be joining a firm, a public interest firm like Alliance Defending Freedom, but that isn't actually the path that God took me on. After a clerkship in Washington at the Washington Supreme Court, I joined a firm, Ellisley and McKinstry in Seattle, and I spent the next 16 years there making my way up through partnership and learning how to practice law in um, a private firm environment. Eventually, during that time, because of the interest that I had in the calling, I was able to work with ADF as well as a number of other public interest firms while in private practice. ADF's grants program allowed me to do that, and I got to know them. And eventually, I just felt a conviction on my heart that it was time to stop looking out for myself, so to speak, and take a risk. I felt like it was a risk to go into a public interest firm, even though I thought that I would really retire from my firm there in Seattle. So the way that the two joined up was just over a series of cases over the course of my career, being able to observe the phenomenal work that ADF does, the distinctives and stepping out to do hard things in the law. And what I enjoy and love most about them is that it's a religious ministry. We're a religious ministry, meaning that we know the importance of abiding in Christ in the work we do. So it's just a great privilege to be able to serve this team and to lead in this way. I'm so thankful to God. Well, Kristen, Dr. Chupp and I first uh, encountered you at a banquet that was hosted by ADF on a very important day, December 1st, 2021, uh, the date of the Dobbs hearing. And you were moderating a panel that included Scott Stewart, who is the Solicitor General of Mississippi. And he was also accompanied by Lynn Fitch, who is the Attorney General of Mississippi, as well as Aaron Hawley, who is one of your great attorneys at ADF. And six months later, of course, we all know that in June of 2022, uh, the Dobbs decision was, was given that overturned Roe v. Wade and completely changed the legal framework uh, regarding abortion here in the United States. So my questions to you is, is, first of all, has anything surprised you since that decision uh, about how the state legislatures and state jurisprudence activities across the country have kind of unfolded since that decision? And then secondly, where has ADF focused their efforts in these state battles from a legal advocacy point of view? Well, I mean, in terms of the the battle that's ahead, that's not surprising to us. We knew that when Roe versus Wade was overturned, we would be closing one chapter and really opening one that would be an even longer chapter or season. Essentially, Roe was where the Supreme Court created a right under the Constitution that it had no business creating. It's not found in the text or our history. And we lived under the Roe regime for 50 years. So we expected that it would be a lengthy battle that would come out of Roe that would require discussions in our neighborhoods, the persuasion of our neighbors um, who simply haven't, many of whom haven't even lived in a world where Roe wasn't seen as, as essentially creating a constitutional right to abortion, regardless of how hard that is. I think that also in many ways stopped our nation from developing comprehensive family policies that would support women, that would support children, that would encourage men to stay in the home. And so all of these efforts are are things we're just beginning to really take hold of. I wasn't surprised by the way that the pregnancy resource centers and the medical communities have stood up to, to start to provide even more support. I will say that 
what I was surprised at in, in hindsight perhaps shouldn't have been is the ferocity, the the volume, even the the violence that the pro-abortion groups have engaged in. You know, many of my colleagues who are leading pro-life firms have had to hire personal security. We certainly know of the security threats to Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, Justice Barrett, and the fact that they're facing protests at their homes and and then firebombing of pregnancy resource centers and the threats to those centers and really the willingness of the pro-abortion movement to blatantly lie, not only about what the legal landscape is across the nation, but lie about what state laws are and lie about pregnancy resource centers and people. And much of that is also in an attempt to undermine the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. So those are some things I was surprised about, but there are many things that um, I've been delighted to see in terms of how states are responding in this moment. Well, Kristen, not a surprise to you that since June of 2022, uh, when the Dobbs decision was given and things were given to the states, that there was a, just an incredible amount of activity at the state, including amendments to state constitutions, already Vermont and Michigan, I believe, and Ohio. And then in Ohio, uh, Dr. Barrow's home state, uh, a referendum on the November ballot. Mm. It does seem like there's a lot of confusion by the electorates in those states in terms of what actually these amendments mean. So what advice, as you're moving forward, are you giving to pro-life groups in the various states in order to how to, how to combat the pro-abortion forces that seem to be using confusion on these state amendments to make it so that abortion isn't, well, in Ohio in November, potentially wide, widely open and made available? Well, understanding what the law says is critical and being willing to have conversations with our neighbors and write op-eds and be involved in our communities. We've now moved this issue into the community and there's no excuse for someone sitting it out. Um, you know, we used to be able to say, well, it's the lawyer's problem because Roe is in place. Well, Roe's not in place now. So this returns it to our own backyards. In terms of what we're doing at ADF, we represent about a dozen states and state legislators um, across the country trying to defend their pro-life laws. We're also involved in communications efforts on these ballot initiatives like in Ohio. And we have to protect pregnancy resource centers who are facing significant assaults by rogue, hard left wing attorney generals who are trying to prosecute these pregnancy resource centers and misrepresenting what they do. In terms of Ohio itself, if we just look at what is at stake in Ohio, Ohio has been a state that has robust protections for life. Essentially, this Ohio law would essentially revoke or undermine, get rid of all of those protections, whether it's an ultrasound requirement, whether it's a, a dismemberment limitation, all of those things. And what it would allow is abortion on demand. The language in the law is very vague mm. and I think would extend all the way up until birth possibly. It also could eliminate parental consent or parental involvement in those issues. And it also could even potentially using the words reproductive freedom or reproductive rights be extended into gender identity issues. So I, I think that the law is written in a vague and ambiguous way intentionally to be very broad, but it certainly is adopting in Ohio a regime of abortion that is on demand that is even far more extreme than what we see in international law as well. 
Well, Kristen, in addition to abortion, uh, there are several other issues that we work closely with uh, ADF on, and one of those is assisted suicide. And in fact, ADF has uh, helped us achieve victories in two different states mm -hmm. recently, uh, California and New Mexico. But my question to you is how critical and important is the testimony of healthcare professionals to these legislative committees uh, against these laws as well as their involvement in the state medical associations as you conduct your legal advocacy work? It's essential. I, I can't even emphasize how critical it is. Um, I remember the first case that I litigated was actually in private practice that had to do with life. I also litigated one um, when the ballot initiative went before Washington State for assisted suicide. And in order to establish the evidence that you need, you have to have expert testimony in these cases. And so if you don't have doctors, physicians who are serving in these areas who are willing to testify to the truth, to the science, then essentially you don't have the evidence you can bring forward to prevail in the cases. The courts rely on that testimony for their rulings. We can see it in, for example, let's take a ballot initiative. The one I was involved in in, in private practice was Washington State. It's very similar to what we saw in the California and New Mexico cases where CMDA stood up. But it required, for example, the issue of whether someone who's suffering from potentially long-term illness, whether they suffer from depression and they should have to see a counselor in advance, or how do you define what a long-term illness is? How do you define that someone has six months or less to live? All of these things are areas where doctors need to step in and provide their experience and their specialized testimony. And I remember in Another case I had, which was called Stormins, involving pharmacist conscience rights and pharmacy owners and whether they would have to refer for Ella. Someone said to me, you know, if we allow, for example, the right of conscience to go away or we allow forced referrals in these instances, essentially what you're going to do is you're going to force those in the healthcare professions out of the healthcare professions because they won't violate their faith. And then you have no more expert witness standing for truth. You have no more testimony. So it also underscores the importance of protecting the right of physicians to exercise medical and ethical judgment and exercise their conscience in the way that they practice. Practice. Well, Kristen, speaking of conscience, as the world's largest Christian healthcare membership association, CMDA, we've been made aware of so many of our members who are under fire, especially in academic university environments, but really in, even in large community-based healthcare systems. And uh, we know of many who've lost their jobs for speaking up. And then as we try to recruit people at the various states to give testimony, especially on the so-called gender affirmation issues, the docs from the states aren't showing up because of fear to give testimony at the state level. So I, we just want to thank you, CEO of ADF, for the support. Uh, now we have support for our members because of a grant that ADF has given for several hours a week to our members who are under fire. So mm -hmm. personal thank you that Jeff and I have to you yes. uh, for that support. But what general legal advice could you give our members who are working in these contentious environments? You've got to stand. The idea that if you put your head down in this moment, this moment will pass is naive. And I think that it will, in the end, ensure that you don't have the right to be able to practice medicine in a way that conforms to your conscience and to your medical judgment. Now is the time to be tenacious. People are hungry for truth. And if we allow professional associations to ride herd 
and essentially implement critical theory in all of these areas, take away the right of conscience, I shudder to think of what medicine looks like in the future and what human flourishing looks like in the future. We know right now that every state, with the exception of, I think it's New Hampshire, has right of conscience laws that protect medical professionals. Now, some of those only apply to abortion. Some of those only apply to doctors. There's a variation, which is why we're working hard to try to get what we call the Med Act adopted in states to ensure that there is a right of conscience and that that right of conscience extends to all medical services and also ensures that physicians have the right to speak freely and can't be punished. But the law should already protect that as well. And we want to stand with physicians who provide testimony, who are standing for truth in their professional associations and in their academic institutions and ensure that they're able to speak freely. Just as a quick follow-up, Kristen, as Jeff and his team and advocacy do most of this work, but I haven't had a chance to talk to some legislative assistants who work in state senators and House of Representatives, in particular in my home state of Indiana. And what has encouraged me is that they understand that these eminent organizations like the AMA, uh, like the American Board of OBGYN, that uh, they are not really espousing truth but ideology. All they need is a few voices. If they'll just have a few professional voices, they say that's all we need. But in some of these states, not even a single voice will come from the local state to speak up. Well, and as you said, even the committees in these organizations that are so progressively left, it takes a few people to essentially join these committees and issue some sort of statement that then becomes policy of these associations. It's not based on science. It's based on activism and ideology, which again underscores the importance of standing not just for your own values, but for your neighbor, for for science, for the fact that if we move into this place where these associations are taking us, people will suffer. There will be victims. And so I think it's incumbent on all of us, lawyers, doctors, teachers, counselors, to stand in this moment. And I do think that the gender identity issue is is one that's informative and can be helpful to us, um, as is the, the Dobbs victory that we recently had. I mean, Dobbs was 50 years in the making, but yet we are now at a place where we're in a post-Roe world, and we've seen what God can do with those who will be tenacious. But in the gender identity side, we see similar things. I believe that we're beginning to see real progress there, where initially, when we first filed the, the first case in essentially about 2016, when we took it to the Department of Ed on behalf of three track runners who were forced to compete against biological males, no one would stand with these young women. We couldn't find any experts to stand. And then as more and more people began to stand, others joined them. And now we have a number of cases across the United States where expert testimony is being given from those who have the experience to be able to say, this is how it's harming people when we do medical experimentation on boys and girls, mm-hmm. when we when we don't adopt and recognize legitimate biological distinctions. Mm-hmm. These cases, particularly in the gender identity side and in the life side, they are won or lost based on what physicians and healthcare professionals are going to testify to based on the science. Well, Kristen, we've touched on a number of uh, critical legal battles already and uh, all across the country, but 
I'm wondering if you and your board have any other critical legal battles, especially as they relate to health care, that you're wanting to address in the next few years? And, and specifically, how can Christian or faith-based health care associations like CMDA and many of our partners help you out in your legal advocacy, especially in, in the, the many fights that are facing us? Well, I would say, again, being knowledgeable about what the law is in your state and also nationally. I think that's helpful as you talk with patients, as you talk with others. We've talked about expert testimony as well. Some of the things we're working on right now, actually this morning, we have a hearing in North Carolina where we're defending North Carolina's abortion limitations that protect the unborn and they empower women. And that hearing's going on right now. In addition, we have a cert petition before the U.S. Supreme Court that CMDA has joined in adding a friend of the court brief to, asking the court to ensure that counselors, licensed counselors, are able to provide and assist parents who are seeking help when their children are confused about their gender. And right now, a number of states and local jurisdictions have passed laws stopping healthcare practitioners from having those discussions with children to help them live at peace with their bodies. So that's an essential case that we have an eye, our eye on. Lastly, I would just say um, right now we are seeing our FDA case go up to the Supreme Court and the court will be considering whether to take that case. And that has to do with chemical abortion. We won that case at the Fifth Circuit and the Fifth Circuit said that the Biden administration was wrong to create mail order abortion. And that in 2016, when it took out critical safeguards to protect women with these dangerous drugs, that it was wrong to do that as well. So that case will be going up. In terms, again, of what CMDA can do, training, training on the right of conscience, training on these issues, helping others understand how to succinctly explain these issues in lay terms to their neighbors and those around them, and then engaging in the legal arena and in the legislative arena. We need to own our communities. And what I mean by that is God has placed each of us with a sphere of influence and in a specific location, and we need to take that responsibility seriously. How does your faith, we talk about integrating faith and practice, integrating faith and practice for healthcare professionals. How does your faith every single day influence what you and the other leaders at ADF are doing? Well, I think it has to saturate every component of what we do. Um, there are three sort of core values that we have at ADF. Our mission is to ensure that everyone has the right to speak and live the truth. We believe that religious freedom and free speech applies to everyone, even those that we do disagree with. But at the same time, in order for us to speak that truth, which we know is comes from the scripture, there are three components to it. And the first is that we have to abide in Christ. And that means that we have to have relationship with him. We have to spend time with him. Mm -hmm. We are like those who are around. So our countenance is very important. How we show up in those moments matters. And it's not just what we're saying, but it's how we're saying it that is significant in bearing witness to what Christ has given us in salvation and the joy that he gives. A second is we have to be willing to walk into the wind. And that's true for your members as well. We're living in a cultural moment that is hostile to biblical orthodoxy. And this is the moment God chose for us to live in, which means that he will give us the grace and he will give us the words in the moment if we're willing to step into it. So we want to walk into the wind with the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing he'll show up with us, just as he did with the early church, with the disciples in Acts. 
And lastly, we have to work joyfully and with excellence, expecting him to do astonishing things. It's his work. It's not ours. The outcome is not up to us. It's up to him. Dobbs is a perfect example of that. I mean, we've worked on it so long, but there were so many different things that had to happen in order for Dobbs to be reversed that was far in addition to outside of our control, outside of our strategy. So we know that God can do great things through our efforts, which gives us that eternal perspective. I can't imagine doing this work of advocating for generational wins without knowing that that outcome is up to the Lord, because if it rests on us, that's too heavy of a burden. Mm. And we're called to faithfulness. So I can't imagine it not having my faith as we seek to be able to promote human flourishing. And we know that human flourishing is promoted when we have laws that reflect truth. Well, thank you for the challenge to abide in Christ. And uh, Jesus' words in John 15, you've reminded me of them. If you remain in me and I remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And it will be given you. Uh, that is just uh, clearly the key is, is abiding in Christ. And Kristen, you have followed an amazing CEO and president in Michael Ferris. Uh, I loved his challenge and his joyful encouragement that if Roe v. Wade is overturned, we will have a year of jubilee. I think that's the, mm-hmm. the statement that I took away from the December 1st reception that you hosted. So thank you. Like me, you've followed an incredible uh, man. And thank you for the way that you are leading ADF forward along with your team. I know it's a, it's a great team that you serve. And so our prayers at CMDA are with you. Mm-hmm. And I hope we're going to be able to get you to our national convention uh, one of these fine days to share with, uh, with our members. Well, thank you. I hope so as well. And I'm just so thankful for the partnership that we have and the way that CMDA has been willing to stand in these assisted suicide cases in the life context as well. And even with the Tingley case that's at the court right now involving counseling censorship. Dr. Barrows, any final comments? Well, Kristen, I just want to tell you that you and your excellent team of attorneys at ADF are an inspiration to my advocacy team here at CMDA. So thank you so much so much for all the work that you do. God bless you, Kristen. God bless you as well. Well, I hope that Kristen's passion and courage to stand up for religious freedom and biblical truth in the legal system has encouraged you. It reminded me of a statement that Professor Robbie George from Princeton University made at our 2023 CMDA National Convention earlier this year, he said, courage is contagious. I've shared that mantra several times on CMDA Matters, and I think it quickly became our theme for the advocacy efforts here at CMDA. Courage is contagious. We have all been called to demonstrate courage and to stand strong for God's glory and his kingdom in the healthcare environment. Sometimes that even includes demonstrating courage in the public square. I wanna encourage you to contact CMDA's advocacy team and our staff will share with you how you can get involved. We desperately need your help to promote life in all 50 states. And as Kristen just shared with us, The testimony of healthcare professionals like you and like me carries significant weight when we're dealing with these issues in the legislative and legal systems in America today. To get involved, contact CMDA's advocacy team using the address advocacy 
at cmda.org. And maybe your courage to get involved will be contagious for others in your sphere of influence. Because friends, all it takes is just one person to stand up and encourage others to do the same. If you'd like more information about the work we're doing in advocacy and to learn more about these legal victories that we mentioned during our conversation, then please be sure to visit cmda.org advocacy. It's a great starting point and you'll learn more and you'll be able to get involved. So check it out by going to cmda.org advocacy. As Christians, we are called to speak truth into ethical issues and courageously stand up for what's morally right according to our beliefs. But in order to engage others in these discussions with grace and kindness, first we need to arm ourselves with knowledge and understanding of each of these topics. Bridging the Gap, where medical science and church meet, is a small group study developed by expert healthcare professionals. The curriculum is designed to ask difficult, thought-provoking questions as we seek the truth found in God's Word about the ethical issues facing Christians today. Topics include addictions, beginning of life, end of life, gender identity, right of conscience, and sexuality. For more information and to download this free curriculum, visit cmda.org slash bridging the gap. You know, during our conversation with Kristen, you briefly heard me mention a new agreement that we have with ADF to provide legal help to our CMDA members. And I'm so excited to share more details about this new exclusive member benefit. Through this partnership with ADF, we are now offering free legal consultations for our CMDA members who may be experiencing conscience freedom challenges or potential issues in the workplace. It's available only to CMDA members. So this program is designed to serve healthcare professionals who feel that they are being discriminated against in the workplace due to their firmly held moral and religious beliefs. If you are a CMDA member and feel that your conscience freedoms are at risk, please visit cmda.org legal to learn more. We're excited to announce the newest addition to CMDA's long list of resources for our members, and it is specifically for students and residents. Called Standing Strong in Training, this new curriculum helps healthcare students and residents stand up against the cultural pressures facing Christians within healthcare today. The curriculum's seven modules are designed for group settings allowing attendees to solidify their foundational worldview beliefs regarding important issues, such as the beginning of life, end of life, and biblical sexuality. Each module also offers ideas of how to winsomely defend biblical values and positively interact with others in developing their worldview beliefs. For more information and to download this free resource, visit cmda.org slash standingstrong. Thank you. 
So many new things are happening here at CMDA, and it's exciting to see how God is moving through this 92-year-old ministry. By the way, did you happen to notice the other new distinctive image that we featured in this week's video podcast? It's CMDA's new logo, which we've just unveiled this week. Over the last 20 plus years, the Lord has advanced his kingdom through CMDA in ways that, frankly, we could never have imagined. And our board and national leadership team feel that this is the right time for a distinctive new look as we step into the future and we ask our God to bless the work of our hands. Well, God willing, I'm going to be back next week for a conversation with prolific author, Mr. Oz Guinness. And we're going to talk about his latest book called Signals of Transcendence. You'll definitely want to join us and hear Oz share insights that are both profound, as usual, and deeply personal in his own journey with Christ. As always, if you want to suggest a future guest for the podcast, you can email us at cmdamatters at cmda.org. And if you like the podcast, including this video version, be sure to give us a five-star rating and share us on your favorite social media platform. Please continue to pray for CMDA, that we might always be faithful in our mission to educate, encourage, and equip Christian healthcare professionals to glorify God. You know, obeying the clear biblical instruction from Proverbs 31 to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and ensure justice for those being crushed. It is our divine mandate. As we join with ADF and other groups in litigating for life while abiding in Christ, we are ensuring justice for all who are made in his image. And as we work together, we will bring the hope and healing of Christ to the world. That's what matters to CMDA, and CMDA matters. We'll see you next week, God willing. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.